Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hooligan Report. I'm your host as always, SM, and today I have with me Cruyff. Good morning. And Boyan. Hi, Dash. It's been a while since we've had you on, Boyan. Um, what have you made of the last few weeks for United? Well, I've been pleasantly surprised that we've got two wins in a row. Um, <laughs> it's a bit it's of a while <laughs> between drinks for us to have that, so... That's been pleasing, and um, Everton's players seem to be dropping like flies. So it might be fair to say that we're favourites for the cup. So if we get, if we win the cup and maybe sneak fourth place, will we call Arsenal's best season in the last ten years? So <laughs> and I guess I guess Van Hal will be in the job for another year. No, he's already <laughs> he already came out today in his press conference and said even if I win the FA Cup, I, I, I still might not be here next year, so right. hopefully not. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, if we get fourth place and F- an FA Cup, and he sacked, it's a pretty successful season. <laughs> um, just on that <laughs> FA Cup matchup, we'll start with that one, I suppose, because um, as you say, evidence players are dropping like flies, and they had that four 0 loss to Liverpool, which we'll chat about in a second. But if if you guys beat Everton in the FA Cup, could you see Martinez getting the sack, or or do you think he'll last the season? Well, I remember us having this conversation last year about Gus Poyet, and I said that uh, they'll just leave it, that Sunderland were basically safe, and they'll just leave it to the end of the season before I do something about it, and they sacked him straight away <laughs> and started, started to, to get results. Um, with Martinez, they're, they're not playing for him, so there's no point in being there. They yeah. should sack him straight away. But... Um, I think, although he sold his stake, Ken Wright, I think he's still chairman, and he likes um, he likes Martinez. So I think they'll give him to the end of the end of the season, but he won't be coaching there next year. They've if, got the best lists they've had yeah. probably in the Premier League era, and they're massively underperforming. If or well, if slash when Martinez does go, um, what sort of calibre manager could you see them getting in? And I'll, and I'll ask Croft this as well. Um, who do you guys see them potentially getting in? Uh, they should probably look around Europe because I'm not sure there's going to be a good enough caliber manager to take them to the next level. He hasn't got a job at the moment, although there's big rumours that um, Watford, I don't know, make a really bizarre move and sat, sat Flores. Somehow, you know, finishing 10th or whatever in your first season in the Premiership is not good enough. And in a cup them, but uh, and in a cup semi final, but I think I think he'd be pretty handy at at um, yeah. Everton or um, I can't remember the Roma manager is it Sp- Sp- Spalletti, I think so. But he he's pretty good, and they could probably entice someone like him with some cash. That's assuming that they can keep their players. And I know I've noticed like a few mates who support Everton have kind of been talking about. Lukaku especially, they think he's going because he's just not even trying anymore. So, yeah, well, I mean, he was yeah. in the press. Was it the last international break talking about moving to United or, or one of those other clubs? Was it Bayern Munich, the other one that was interested in him? Yeah, it was his, his old man saying that he's either going to Bayern or, or United. Crowe, what have you made of Everton and, and the chances of Martinez being there next season? And, and if he does go, who you see replacing him? I think he should be sacked, and I, I, he's just said it a million times on the board that he's a fraud, and I'm 
didn't really believe it at first, but as the season's worn on, you can see that he does look to be out of his depth. He's, I mean, Everton have basically scored, you score, uh, basically done there, you score two, we'll score five sort of thing for a lot of the season, and Lukaku's bailed them out, and, and you can see the defensive frailties under Martinez, and Stone, Stones doesn't look the player that Chelsea were going to bid £40 million for, or did bid £40 million for. And it just seems that Martinez has, has been exposed as a manager and should definitely be, be shipped off in the summer. If, and I think regardless, uh, if, if he does lose in the FA Cup, I think they'll keep him on to the end of the season and then they'll, they'll, they'll ship him off after that. But in terms of who they can bring in, I, I wouldn't actually know. But I, I thought Moyes when you first mentioned the question, but A, would he go back there? B, would they want him back after not winning anything in the period he was there? But... You, you might think with the players that he has, with the players Martinez has currently, Moyes might have achieved a better result. And I think where they are in the table, Moyes would definitely have them better. The interesting thing with Moyes is I think if if there's one positive thing about Martinez going to that club is that he at least instilled a sense of ambition in the club in his first season when he, I believe by all reports in his interview with them um, when he was applying for the job, said that he was aiming for top four and and the board just saw that as a breath of fresh air after Moyes basically saying we can't compete with the big clubs we can't do this we can't do that because we just don't have the money Martinez came in and actually had a bit of ambition so whilst he hasn't really achieved on that he I I suspect that would really make them hesitant to go back to Moyes um just because of the the attitude that Martinez had yeah, but and if 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 uh, what Bayern is saying is true about uh, Kike Flores at Watford, that would be a a bizarre um, move to make, and Everton should be all over him if if that's the case. In fairness, with Watford, we we were saying, well, I mean, some people were saying it was a bizarre move when they sacked. Um, oh, I've forgotten his name now. He's at he's at <laughs> he's at Fulham now, but their manager who got them promoted to the Premier League, um, they sacked him and brought in Kike Flores uh, for the Premier League season. So. That club does like to go through its managers. I think they had three or four in the season when they were promoted. So um, we, we thought it was a strange one at the time, but then they brought in Kike Flores, who, who did so well with them. If they were to bring in someone even better, um, or who, someone who can get them playing even better next season, um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but we might look back and say, OK, well, fair enough. They kind of knew what they were doing. On the other hand, they could appoint Steve Bruce and get relegated next season. So... <laughs> Who knows? Well, that's another one that, that could be a, a potential uh, evident candidate. Maybe Steve Bruce. Bruce. I, oh. <laughs> I mean, not saying not saying it would be a good appointment, but it's a name that could be yeah. floated around. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a big name manager. He's managed at a lot of Premier League clubs, but I don't know if his if his track record at the moment really calls for it. But I think a few of my mates' heads would implode if if he went there after getting sacked by us or, or, or leaving us but um, <laughs> we'll get on to the, the, the reviews now and uh, speaking of Everton they faced Liverpool in the Merseyside derby and Liverpool got two wins a 2-1 against Bournemouth and a 4-0 against Everton uh, and Sturridge is looking back to his best alongside players like Firmino Coutinho Origi um, who are all firing for them at the moment um, Liverpool have had quite a successful start to 2016 after so having a lot of players out injured in 2015, is this is this sort of uh, are we in that period now where um, they've they've actually sort of settled under Klopp and they've actually started to play to his game style and and, and we're seeing the fruits of that that formation and that those tactical adjustments that he's made to the side. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think that he's finally made the players put his stamp 
in, in their style and, and it's beginning to pay dividends. Do we see them as, as a legitimate contender for the top four next season or are they still a way off the pace? Oh, I'd say top six maybe, but depends who they're bringing in the summer. If they bring in the right players in the summer, I think they can challenge for the title. Because they have, if you look at their, 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 they've got Sacco, they've got Matip coming, Lovren started performing much better, Klein, Coutinho, Jean, uh, Sturridge when he's fit. I mean, the, the players are there. If they add the depth they need and, and quality backups and potentially um, sign some first teamers to replace players who aren't, they can definitely challenge for the title, I think. And I know they obviously got the. Um pretty tremendous win in the Europa League over Dortmund and they faced Villarreal in the next round of that um, on their day they certainly look like they can take it up to any team so they, they've really got that uh, tenacity about them that you know it's it's that consistency that they're lacking at the moment I suspect um, Bojan what's your I know you didn't really want to chat about the Dortmund game but what's your take on um, <laughs> Liverpool's season so far uh oh. Well, I can use a nice cliche here. A tale of two halves, I guess. <laughs> um, obviously, with uh, Rodgers and then replacing Klopp and Klopp not being too much better than Rodgers for the first bit of his reign, but uh, you can see that they're starting to, you know, get his ideas after more and more training, and they're certainly finishing the season very strongly. Um, on not convinced that this will be the way they are every week next year because, you know, teams have patches of good form and patches of poor form and, you know, the actual ability is somewhere in between um, generally. But uh, there's no doubt that they've hit form at the right time and their come from behind win against Dortmund was excellent. But at the same time, still showed they have, they have defensive frailties I'm still not convinced by this um, central defensive partnership. Yes, it's better than it was, but it was League One standard. So, you know, now it's probably upper upper half Premier League standard, but it's not a top four standard. But and it's you... it's very early to make calls on you know w- whether they can be top four next year. You know, because... with the addition of, of Matip, that will help. Well, I've only I mean I've only seen him play twice. So it's hard to make, you know, sweeping statements on individual players in a different system. But I wasn't impressed. So, but, I mean, if you're getting a Bundesliga starting centre-half as your backup, sure. But I don't think you're going to make an influence on the on the first team, not from the Middle, a Middle East small sample size that I've seen of him. The other yeah. side that... Sorry, Craig. You go. So I was going to no, say, no, go. I was going to change topics, but um, I was going to say the other side to have the, a, quite a successful week was Newcastle um, with a 3-0 win over Swansea and then a pretty decent 1-1 draw with Man City. Um, they're leaving it a bit late, but could Newcastle still survive? They'd be cutting it fine if they do. Because they're now sitting uh, two points behind Norwich, so um, with the same amount of games played. So this week coming up... Um, don't think they have a game actually because that was the game at well, City. The, the way Norwich are going and the way Newcastle, the week Newcastle had that momentum might carry them on. And I think Norwich were woeful against Sunderland. They were absolutely terrible. And 
to be bad against Sunderland is saying something, and uh, I think I think Newcastle might uh, get the edge on them and, and might jump Norwich. Well, uh, in their next set of fixtures, uh, Norwich face your mob Arsenal, whereas Newcastle face Crystal Palace. Um, however, at the same time, Sunderland have Stoke. So Sunderland are, are the one that could still jump out of that relegation zone if Norwich were to lose to Arsenal, but uh, it would certainly be very close between Sunderland and Newcastle for that safety spot. Who, who are you guys seeing as surviving? Part of me... I think Sunderland's... Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't want to say Sunderland, but the way they just seem to do it, it happens, and it's just it's like it's like whatever happens, they have this clause that they're gonna <laughs> escape the relegation zone regardless. It's like um, it's like Wigan a few years ago were in the Stoke same position, trying the last six weeks, which is kind of odd because um, only a few weeks ago they were pretty much in the European spots, or at least pe- but, competing for the European spots. I, th- I think mm-hmm. Norwich still have a chance of going down and Newcastle staying up because if Newcastle gain some momentum and carry on, uh, there's, there's every reason they might snatch a win or two and, and Norwich looks down in the dumps. I think uh, Alex Neal is another manager who will be gone at the end of the season. So It's, it's a bit disappointing because he had, he had them playing quite well in their promotion season and had them set up quite well early this season in terms of how they, they travelled away. I remember seeing a stat early in the season where they, they'd only lost something like one away game in, in, I can't even remember how many games it was, but it was a really impressive stat. So he seems the sort of manager, a bit like Eddie Howe, where he's a young manager, but he's got some really good tactical ideas, but um, is obviously struggling to adapt to the Premier League. Yeah, but I guess that's that, that's life, though. And yeah. I mean, if you're not getting the if football is a results business, and if you're not getting them, you're going to be under the pump, and it, it might be time for them to part ways with Neil. Absolutely. Um the other big results from the weekend we had, or, and also the midweek games, obviously the Leicester 2-2 result with West Ham, which has quite a few talking points in it, um, courtesy of John Moss. Um, the first one, the obvious question is, was it a dive from Jamie Vardy? It looked pretty soft the way he went down, and I think the way he, he uh, had his arms positioned, it did look like a dive, to me anyway. It just looks like he should just flop down and that's it, fish in water. I'd have to agree that it wasn't it wasn't like a traditional dive, but he just kind of like backed it. He kind of let the defender hit him, so he could just flop, flop to his knees, which he does. He's got a bit of a history of. Yeah, there were a few sent, he, there were a few uh, red cards or penalties he caused last season from doing that. I think against your mob and also against mine. The 5-3 against Raphael, where he basically threw Raphael into touch and Raphael came back and tried to challenge him and he went down as if he was an Olympic diver. Yes, remember that? Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, yeah, he does that to get sent off. Uh, and then obviously... If you dive... Sorry? If you dive, if you dive, you should be brought regardless of whether you already have a prior booking. Um, then there, obviously the other controversial cause was the penalty given against Wes Morgan, um, the penalty given for uh, for Schlapp getting shoved to the ground late in the game, uh, and was there another one I'm trying to think of? Oh well, there was the, there was the penalty not given against Hooth I think in the box. 
Um, but there were a few a few controversial calls in that game. Do you think the draw in the end was a reasonable result? I guess, but it's always going to be the talking point with the what's happened with the referee and and the, and the decisions that he made. Is it still Leicester's title? We can't. Is so he can't, he kind of like stuffed up the first penalty and then did a, an old fashioned make up call at the end to give West to give um, you know Leicester a penalty to, to even up his first mistake. It was a pretty poor refereeing performance. Um, do, are we still seeing Leicester as in the box seat for the title, or is Spurs's uh, challenge really sort of um, going to push them to the edge? I think it'll go right down to the wire. Unfortunately, I actually... It's going to be unbearable. But I'm actually trying to fancy Spurs. Just given Vardy's got a, got a two-game ban now. I mean, they... Leicester desperately need to win the next game. Absolutely. That must, must, must. It's against Swansea, the, isn't it? Because that will... Yeah. The Vardy but, ban um, makes it very interesting, I think, and, and definitely puts pressure on them. Um, obviously, then, the other title challenger to talk about is Spurs with their 4-0 win over Stoke um, just looking impressive as always um, they just seem to, to never let up I mean Ali with two goals came with two goals it's all the familiar faces Ericsson with assists Lamella with an assist um, what's there to say about Spurs they've had a tremendous season so far and, and would absolutely deserve to win the title so um, how did you guys see that game and Spurs' chances of the title I mean we've already sort of touched on it Spurs have just Spurs have played. There were stats that came out. I think they're the best defensive side, the best attacking side, and a few other stats that came out earlier on in the week. And it's hard to sort of say, well, why aren't they leading? And I think they have played the best football all season. Aside from the semi-slow start at the beginning, they have absolutely been on fire for for the majority of it. And you can see why with the with, with the way Ali and Kane have been playing, Ericsson, the back four as well. They've been absolutely tremendous. Yeah, they're doing pretty well. And they're peaking at the right time, which is always important. So I've been actually been impressed by how resilient that, that they have been uh, and that they haven't dropped off at all. So they've been pressuring Leicester and they couldn't really have done any more to pressure Leicester. Um, so, so they certainly know that if they do drop off, then Spurs are right there. And, uh, yeah, interesting to hear Ranieri pretty much guarantee the league title today. So we'll dilly dong, dilly dong. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I don't, I don't mind some confidence. That's that's all right. And, it, and it, there might have been a bit of a lost in translation moment, but interesting to see. Uh, at the other end of the table, Villa's impending relegation was confirmed. Um, do we think they can bounce straight back up, or are they more on a slide no. like Bolton, like Fulham, yep, those sorts definitely. of things? Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they'll just keep sinking, I think. And, and, I and saw that today that Randy Lerner was saying he's been trying to sell the club for two years. <laughs> so Generally, when you're trying to sell an asset and, and you can't sell it, it means you're, trying to, you're asking for too much. Um, so, yeah, he's a, well, he actually blamed the relegation on himself, which I guess is the most honest he's been in quite some time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's got no one to blame but himself, and I would say they've got to be favourites to go back to back. 
And what did we make on Julian Lescott? Julian Lescott's comment saying that it was a relief in some ways <laughs> that uh, relegation was finally confirmed. <laughs> Absolute peanut. Absolute <laughs> peanut. After the whole car debacle we had earlier on in this season, and he comes out and says this, the guy's got a fucking massive head, but he must have the <laughs> brain the size of a pea. I mean, you think with a head that big, he'd have uh, some intelligence. But but the way he, the, some of the quotes he's come out with this season is think, what what is actually in this guy's head is just hollow or what? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it's 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 shameful. I don't know how he can like look at himself in the mirror that black. I mean, there. I don't know how his head fits in the mirror. <laughs> Villa fans who kind of go, go every week. It's not the most affluent area in England. Um, and they're kind of going every week, paying their paying their money. It's expensive, as, as we all know. Um, and then to hear, you, well, firstly, your, your senior club captain, Ed Von Lahors, going out on the piss and picking up two chips and putting it up on Instagram. And then He's your captain for the day. He's been suspended twice this month, Ed Von yeah. And the captain you've got for the day is saying oh, it's a relief that we're finally relegated. It's like, well, you know. There's some serious <laughs> issues at that club. Oh, I think that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly think the only the only way I could see them stop, stopping the rot next season would be to do a complete clear out of all of those players, not keeping any of them, even if that means that you have to pay out their contracts, whatever it is, use the parachute payments to do that, get them out. And just bring in youth players, bring in young English players from League One who are hungry and want to get to that to the Premier League. And like you can't like, that, what, what's the worst thing that could happen in that in that scenario is that you you possibly you get sink further. Them. But I, I, I can't imagine if they I can't imagine that if they brought in youth players and hungry, informed, good players from League One and League Two that they would get relegated from the Championship because well, it, there's it, a big gulf it, between the top and the bottom of the Championship. It said a lot when the reserves beat the, the first team 3-0. Why not give the, the young yeah. kids a chance? I mean, yeah. they're obviously hungry and, and, and want to impress and, and, and get the chance with the senior contract. But here, here they are. They keep sticking with the, with the same with the same uh, older players. And, and clearly it hasn't worked all season yet. It's it's persistent for, for who knows why. But you've got these young kids that have come out, showed, showed that they can actually play, yet they're not getting the chance. When we were relegated, we signed well, Sam Klukas from Chesterfield in League One. He'd only just gotten up to, to Chesterfield from, I can't remember which club it was, in League Two. But he was on that sort of um, upwards trajectory that we've seen with guys like um, Austin, with Vardy, with Boyd, etc. And those are the pl- and, he's, and he's had one of the best seasons of any of our players because I think he's got eight or nine assists for the season and about five or six goals. But you look at that compared to, say, a Mo Diami, who is comparable in some ways to these overpaid players at Villa. And, and Diami's had a really, has, has a really unimpressive season. And his wages would be about three or four times that of Klukas. So I can't imagine Villa mm. could go that far wrong bringing in players of that sort, even from lower championship clubs. Because um, th- those guys are going to have the hunger and the drive to get back up there. The guys on 50000 60000 a week are just going to sit there happy collecting their wage. Yeah, maybe they could go and get like a... Lewis Cook from Leeds, yeah. who's pretty high, highly rated. They could get some, you know, get some low knees in from United and Chelsea, who'd be competitive, like a, 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 a like a Bamford style 
Hi, uh, I mean, they've got uh, Grealish, just dead. I mean, just dead's a proven championship striker. Grealish is going to be a good player if he can keep his ego in check. You know, yes. Tuzan's good enough for that league. Um, so there is something to work for. It's not a complete disaster, but it just I, needs I, I someone coming over the top. I don't think Guzan's too bad. He he might he might get a gig at, a, at another Premier League club uh, next season if Villa do sell. But the point that uh, SM made, I think, about selling players and bringing new ones in, well, new players actually want to join Villa. I mean, with Bay- Bayan just said Lewis Cook from Leeds, but would he want to join a club like Aston Villa with, with, the, with the state that they're in? Well, sure. I understand they're, they're in a poor state, but then you, you still do have to look at if it's a player coming from a League One side... Aston Villa is a very big club. It has a lot of history mm. attached to it. I mean, mm. understandably, so does Leeds. So someone like Cook might want to stay at Leeds. But so, so players from small clubs will look at Villa and say, and pinch themselves at the chance to play for that club, even if it is in the championship. And you have to think the prospect of going to a club like that and leading them back to the Premier League would be a huge sort of um, carrot for these players to go to that club. Even if, even if they are in... Um, even if they are looking in a bit of a shambles at the moment, um, you just have to look at what happened when Newcastle went down, and they were, they they managed to sign players and, and went straight back up, as did West Ham. So these bigger sort of clubs that get relegated do still have a bit of clout in the transfer market. But uh, what I mean, what I, what I guess what I meant was that not so much that Villa, like, let's take Lewis Cook for example, that he would look at uh, Villa as a championship club uh, while he's in League One. It's more that. Villa might be a championship club, but... Oh, sorry. But, I mean, it's more that Aston Villa, oh, look at the way they're in, how they're run, etc., etc. Yeah, that's fair. Is that going to appeal to a player? And who was it? There was a a few directors, I think, tended their resignation um, the other week. Two that joined... Yeah, two that joined uh, this month or or a few months back resigned within weeks. Because it was just untenable to actually implement the changes that they saw necessary. So mm. that that is, and it's a it's a good point you make. There is that off-field issue, those off-field issues that may still make it an unattractive place to go. But um, I tell you what, there are some championship clubs such as my own that also have a fair fair amount of off-field drama. Um, so I, I think I think by and large the players try and ignore all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, if they're getting paid and they're playing. Um, and there's still a chance that they can actually do something on the pitch. Um, players may well still back themselves to go to the club and, and make a difference. Mm. Um, so we'll move on now and chat about the upcoming games for this weekend because there's not too many of them with the um, FA Cup semi-finals on. Um, we've got the early game, which is Manchester City up against Stoke. Um, City have looked quite good lately, apart from that result against Newcastle, uh, which might be more down to Newcastle's upturn in form as well. But Aguero has certainly been in a, a bit of form for them. Uh, and, and as we said, Stokes' form sort of dropped off a cliff. So this kind of has a, a 3 or 4 nil Man City win written all over it. Yeah, as, as you said, uh, City are in form. Aguero is back. De Bruyne is back. Them two together, we know what they can do. So, it, 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 And it's up to Eddie had too. So it may well and truly be a route for City. Stoke on holidays. City. Yeah, I think they love a good stay. City have got that. Um, Aston Villa at home to Southampton, and boy, if, if Les Scott wants to talk about the pressure now being off them, um, if they if they come out and lose <laughs> if they come out and lose about four or five nil to Southampton, you know what, what does that say about them? But um, 
do we see uh, we've just talked about Villa do we see them perhaps um, fielding the side that they that they plan to use in the championship next season do we expect to see a few younger players or is it just going to be the same old guard I'd get rid of Julian Lescott he would not be if, if uh, I was the manager and Lescott was one of my players he would not be playing again after the comments he made last week, absolutely no excuse for, for him not to be playing. Or for him to be playing, rather. I mean, it's absolutely... It's a farce. Yeah. Um, I, they'll stick with the old guard. For sure. They're not smart enough to... If they were going to change things up, they would have done it a long time ago. I remember we had this conversation yeah. during the January transfer window whether they should go and sign some younger players and championship players and get ready for it. And no, they just stuck with the same old crap. And they brought in a, a manager under false pretenses saying they'd given money then did give him money. It's just, it's just disorganisation and incompetence from top to bottom. So, yeah, they're going to get belted again. Probably, probably, probably be 4 0 again, Southampton. Villa have only won two yeah. games at home this season. I mean, absolutely pathetic. Um, well, well, I mean, they haven't really been trying hard all year. What do they have to pay for now? <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently something because the pressure's off their shoulders and they can actually give the, <laughs> the performance they, de- they, they deserve according to uh, Jolly and Lescott. In, in fairness, so you, you do see sometimes you see relegated sides kind of ramp up their performances because there isn't that pressure on their shoulders anymore. I mean, uh, Bolton in the championship have already been relegated. Con- their relegation's already been confirmed. And they went pretty close to beating Middlesbrough, who were coming first in the t- in, in the division um, last weekend. So there there is something to it, but I, I think it would still rely on them actually dropping a few of those players and actually bringing in some, some a bit of youth and a bit of energy. But... Um, I suspect you're right, Bayan. I think they'll go with the old guard again and and get thrashed by Southampton. Um, Bournemouth at home to Chelsea uh, in the away game in the away leg of this game. Bournemouth actually got the result at Stamford Bridge. It was um, mm. during that period where they I think they went they got back to back wins against Chelsea and United uh, as only the second team in the Premier League era to do so. But um, Chelsea's another one that's that they've basically gone on holiday. They're they're playing a, a fair few younger players. Uh, and got thrashed by City last weekend. Um, so this actually could be quite an interesting, quite a close game. Yeah, I mean, it's... At, at Bournemouth, you can't completely rule them out, I think. And Chelsea has sort of just slipped off, but I guess they still sort of have the, the Europa League to, to fight for if they want to try and make that. But, I mean, it's you can't completely rule Bournemouth out, I think. Uh, Bournemouth at home. This should be a very competitive, competitive game against uh, you know half a Chelsea's good team. Might even I reckon it'll be a score draw, one-one. And I think Courtois in, uh, suspended for this one because he was sent off uh, against Man City. Um, so yeah, it could be quite an interesting Begovic. one. Oh yeah, they've got Begovic there. It, it would be interesting to see if they play. Um, a younger keeper since they seem to be trying out a few of the youngsters. Um, but, yeah, no, I'd, I'd back Bournemouth to get something out of that one. Um, Liverpool at home to Newcastle is is probably the story of the round with Benitez going back to Anfield uh, and obviously needing a pretty decent result to give himself uh, 
a bit of a chance for, for securing survival for Newcastle. Um, they looked okay at against Man City midweek. Do we see Newcastle? Uh, yeah, do we see Newcastle getting a result here? Oh, with the, I, I doubt it. The form Liverpool are in, they Anna Anfield. I think they'll. It, it'll be a, a comprehensive win for Liverpool. I agree wholeheartedly with Croft. But I do hope. This is the first time I've ever wanted a Benito side to win. So, <laughs> you know, first everything. Yeah, I think Liverpool should get the result there. I think they're looking in pretty decent form as well. Um, Arsenal away to Sunderland. And we haven't really touched on Arsenal yet. Um, had a decent result against West Brom after a disappointing draw with Palace. So what have you made of, of Arsenal lately, Cruyff? I mean... It's just up and down. It depends which Arsenal side is going to show up. Is if you're going to be irate or, or ecstatic. I mean, it's just how it is. It's. I mean, Wenger comes out and says the same old things. Oh, we played well technically. Rah 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 rah. But where was that when we really needed it? Where, where were the goals scored where we really needed to dig in and and get a result? Here we are in third, only two points ahead of fourth. Where realistically, as everyone knows, this was the one chance where we really probably should have won the, won the league with, with the state the other big sides are in. But it's, it's, I'm pleased we, we got the win against West Brom. Sanchez back in four. But, well, it's... I don't know. It's, oh, I'm lost for words, to be honest. Do you think you'll get the result against Sunderland? I want to say yes, but the way Sunderland <laughs> played late in the season, you don't know. You just Especially don't know. Flight, yeah. I mean, we should... If you look at both squads on paper, we should have enough quality to, to, to get past them, and, and and the form Sanchez is in should should uh, get, uh, give them a bit of trouble. But I mean, you can never rule Sunderland out, and and a fat Sam side against Wenger, he 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 uh, he stopped our our uh, title charge in two thousand and three, I think, where nine games to go, I believe we played at the the Reebok and. And from there, we just went downhill and United won the league that season. So he's got history of uh, upsetting Wenger. We'll just wait and see what happens. But I'd, I'd like to say we'll get the win. But if we, if we, if we, uh, if, if we don't, I, I won't be too happy at all, to say the least. Yeah, Sanchez has been in pretty decent form. Triple captaining him in fantasy was, uh, was a very decent decision. Look at me. Look at me. 170 <laughs> points for the week. Um, <laughs> Bojan, what are your thoughts on this game and, and Arsenal's form lately? Well, Bender's just quite clearly staying up. And um, the fans are, are turning on, which is enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they are up and down, but I just don't know confidence in them anymore. And I don't think their fans have got a huge amount of confidence in them. Um, and in terms of this week, as much as Sunderland do like to uh, pull it out at, the, at their backside, no team, with maybe the exception of Man City, loves the downhill, loves the downhill stay as much as Wenger. Uh, so I can see a fairly comprehensive victory to Arsenal in this game. We've then got the two uh, title challengers playing in the late games. Uh, well, well, Leicester in the late game and Spurs the following day. Um, Leicester at home to Swansea. As we've already discussed, Vardy suspended for this game could be a big blow for them because um, they really do need to be winning. This is probably their easiest game remaining, would you guys say? Um, how, how do you see their mm. chances against Swansea? 
we, I mean, without Vardy, makes it makes it a bit difficult. But uh, you think at home at the King Power, the, the fans should be behind him and they'll have enough enough to get by. But it's without Vardy, it just sort of puts a bit of a question mark over the over the over the over the win. I think. Um, maybe fairly comfortable turning up a victory. It's a, it really is, is up to Mahrez to step out now. With Vardy out, he needs to, you know, be the main man. And I think they'll do it relatively comfortably, 2-0. Yeah, I mean, Swansea folded pretty comprehensively against Newcastle, so I suspect Swansea's players have taken their eyes off the league a little bit with their safety pretty much, well, 99% guaranteed, you would expect. I mean, they're on 40 points, so... They should be perfectly fine. So I suspect they've kind of taken their eyes off um, off the rest of the league. So I do think Leicester can get the win here quite comfortably, but it'll be interesting to see how they line up without Vardy and um, where the goals come from, whether it's Mares or, or whether Okazaki or um, Ujoa can step up to the plate. Um, so that will be quite an interesting one to see. Um, Spurs at home to West Brom, you would expect with the form that Spurs are in, they'll just kind of roll over West Brom on their way to... Um, to challenging Leicester, um, can we see any chance of, of West Brom uh, nicking something? I understand uh, West Brom managed to get that two-two draw with Leicester a few weeks ago, so they do have form for uh, upsetting upsetting um, expectations in games like this. I think Spurs will have too much in the in the in the bank to get part uh, to, to, for West Brom to stop them. I mean, Ali and Kane are in sensational form, and and uh, I, I think they'll be very hard to stop. Yeah, you can't really bet against Spurs right now. They're falling and given, good. And yeah, and given that it's at White Hart Lane, it only sways it more in their favour. And given that West Brom were absolutely putrid a few days ago against Arsenal, it doesn't do much confidence they'll turn it around this quickly. Another team who, they know they're safe, so they don't really care anymore. Yeah, I suspect. So pretty uh, comprehensive right now. I think that'll be pretty comprehensive for Spurs. Um... The only thing remaining to chat about is the team of the season, which I believe has... Has it been announced yet? Yes. Yeah. Do you have the Do you have the uh, team, Crove? Uh, De Hay at keeper, Bellerin at right back, Morgan and Alderweireld in the, in the, in the centre of defence, Danny Rose left back, and then we have Mares, Kante, Ali and Payet in midfield, and Vardy and Cayman up front. So I think I think the only player that you could say is stiff there is Özil on missing out. Definitely, um, definitely. But what I about sus- Rashford? <laughs> <laughs> but I suspect the, the the argument I would make with Özil um, is that a he hasn't consistently produced it over the whole season um, as much as you might say someone like a Piat has, and his assists, whilst they've been impressive, haven't had as much of an impact on his side's fortunes as a Piat has had would be my only argument for why Ozil isn't there. But at the, at the same time, though, Ozil has played a part in 22 goals this season, from mid, and I think he's assisted 18 and scored four. Mind you, 16 of those assists came in the first half but, of the season, but I, I, I don't understand how you can have the top assists player not in, in the team. What are your thoughts on it, Boya? It's not Ozil's, it's not Ozil's fault that Giroud's a shit crap. So well, that's true. I mean, if 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 Ursula had Kane in front of him, Kane would be on forty-five goals already. But 
it's I, I mean I, I don't think I think it's the best team they've they've had in a long time, but it it just and the only change I'd make is Urzel for Ali, but that's not to say Ali's undeserving. Well, I think that Dyer is more important to Spurs than than Ali is personally, because um, Ali profits from Dyer's good work. So without Dyer, there is no Ali, essentially. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is why kind of stats can be misleading. If your striker's in bad form and you're a creative player, you can't assist and score the goal at the same time. So I, I think Ozil has been a top three to five player in the league this year. That have a knot in that in that side, so uh, yeah, strikes me as strange. I think, like Rolf says, so this is probably one of the better ones we've seen in recent years because because. None of the players are undeserving of being there in the sense that they've all had very good seasons, whereas I think last season, wasn't it, Coutinho was in the side? Um, yeah, for, what did was, he do in the first half of the season? Yeah, yeah so that was a quite an odd one. But I think every player there this season, you can at least understand why they're there, but there are certainly players who are a bit stiff for missing out as well. And the players clearly agree with me that David De Gea is the best keeper in the league. <laughs> two years in a row for the great man. This Hugo Lloris, please. So I, 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 I think, though, that's because De Gea has won United a lot of points by himself so off his own gloves. Star. But oh, There's no denying that, but it's not to say Hugo Lloris is a poor keeper by any stretch, I think. No, he's not. You know, actually, I can put this put this to bed. I think the only difference between De Gea... Well, I think, I think De Gea's distribution is, be, is better, but not significantly better than Lloris's. But the real material difference between the two keepers, and they're both great keepers, is that De Gea is a lot bigger. So he can get, yeah. he can save, or Loris can't save. But in terms of ability-wise, there's not that much difference. But De Gea is naturally taller. Yeah, he's got a bigger spread. Yeah. The other, actually, speaking of goalkeepers, we should mention the uh, the record that was broken on the weekend, which was Aurelio Gomez saving two penalties in the same match. I believe that's the first time that's ever happened in the Premier League. Um, so pretty impressive from him. Both saved against Berahino as well. So as Berahino, you'd be feeling pretty frustrated uh, with your performance in those. He's had a mare this year. Yeah. Absolute mare. He basically fell out with his whole club and has barely scored. Didn't play the first half of the year, basically. You know, he's missed two penalties in a row. <laughs> Great way to sign off the season. Is that the karma train? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, any closing thoughts from either of you boys? Um, no. <laughs> I've got some. Oh, got actually, some no. I do. Oh. You go. You go. <laughs> I've got something. You go okay. first. Though. All right. Well, I've got some goo for Warren Joyce. That's five under twenty-one lead titles in seven years. And um, I've got some Francesco Totti, 40 years old, has barely played this year. El Capitano comes off the bench in the 86th minute, 2-1 down against Torino, scores with his first touch, scores with his second touch, and in five minutes changes the game. You have to what chat a to legend. J- you have to chat to JD2010 about that one because I think that, that result won him a fair bit of money. So I think he's pretty happy with Totti as well. <laughs> um, 
I did actually, uh, I had a final thought because I've, I've just remembered there was something else that we were going to touch on. Um, you, you mentioning Italy kind of reminded me. Um, in that Leicester game, in the build-up, they changed the ref from Kevin Friend mm-hmm. to John Moss. And I think you mentioned to me, Boyan, the precedent that that sets. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on the fact that they actually changed the ref? And then, ironically, John Moss had a huge impact on the game. Yeah, well, the um, it has a, a strong correlation with um, the Calciopoli scandal in the in Serie A, which went on, went on for many years, which has been incorrectly incorrectly classified as match fixing, where what it actually was was um, the association choosing refs that they thought um, would be more or less favourable towards certain sides. And they, the, the FA are effectively saying that um, Ian Friend... Was it Ian Friend? The uh, Kevin, 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 Kevin Friend. Kevin Friend, sorry. Um, is not professional enough to, to, do, to do his job and they totally undermined his credibility. So does that mean that he's not going to be wrapping any more Leicester matches anymore? And I just think that the, that the FA sent a really dangerous precedent. It was quite interesting as well because, as Jad's pointed out, he's actually considered a Bristol City supporter, but he lives in Leicester, so he catches some of their games. Now, I don't know if that's... I think it was Mumba who was alluding to the fact that a lot of professional refs say claim that they support lower league teams so that they can still referee big games. But yeah. as, far as, as far as claiming to not support Leicester goes, I mean, Leicester aren't exactly a big club, so he obviously would have had to have... I assume the referees have to sort of disclose the team that they support um, quite early in their refereeing career. So he would have had to have been on the record as a Bristol City supporter for a while rather than a Leicester supporter. So um, I'm not entirely sure if... I mean, th- to me, that makes it even more likely that he actually is a Bristol City supporter, um, if that makes sense. But uh, it- it's a very interesting one, I suspect. Yeah, yeah but, but definitely. It is just really important that they don't start changing refs every couple of weeks due to perceived biases. Because that's basically what led, what was the start of the Capitopoli scandal. Uh, and then, Croft, what was your closing thought? Fucking, oh, pardon my friend. Um, Julian Lescott, what an absolute <laughs> peanut again. I just, sorry to touch on it again, but I cannot fathom how someone can be so stupid and say something so blatantly <laughs> retarded, for lack of a better word, <laughs> After the club's been relegated, that's just what the fans want to hear. Oh, the pressure's off our shoulders. Maybe we'll start trying. Let's go, boys. I mean, what the? Really? Did you see? That, um, that's off. Did you see Stan Collymore had a go at him about that? And Les Scott actually suggested that he he meet up with Collymore to to fight him, and then Collymore screenshotted the exchange and posted it on Twitter, and followed it up by saying, "Oops, sorry, uh, my phone was in my pocket." <laughs> yes, I mean, like, I mean, just for a guy with such a massive head, there's nothing freaking in it. You are obsessed I mean, with his just, head. I mean, he looks like a guy out of Star Trek. Yeah. It's just absolutely ridiculous that someone can be so stupid. But anyway, well, that's my rant. That's your rant. It's a good. It's a good melt. Uh, thank you for that, Croy, and thank you both for coming on. Thank you for having us. No, thanks, mate. Thanks everyone for listening in and until next time, I hope your side wins.